0: God, we give you uh, glory and we worship you uh, because you're our creator. Our hearts are working, they're beating, not because of us, but because you're sustaining us, you're being gracious to us. We exist not because of us. We didn't bring ourselves into existence, but you working through your means have, have made us and have brought us to this place and to this point in time. And so we praise you for that. And we uh, ask God that as we come to worship you in, in, in song and in sitting under your word, God, that you would be gracious to us but not only to us, but that you would be gracious to all the churches in Boston that, that are sitting, uh, sitting and desiring to be attentive to your word, desiring to be faithful to you. And so we want to pray for our friends at City on a Hill in Brookline. Thank you for how they've supported us. Thank you for how they've encouraged us. And we pray that as they gather right now to, to worship, that you would be at work by your spirit, that you would bless the teaching, that you would allow people to connect, and you would allow people, most importantly, to, to see and to respond to your goodness and your glory in Jesus. We pray for our time as we get ready to turn to your word, God. We need help, but we need understanding. We need humble hearts and humble minds and open ears to hear your truth. So God, would you grant those things to us? Would you, God, work by your spirit and show us that our deepest needs, the things that are on our minds right now, the things that we woke up worrying about, show us how our deepest needs are are met by Jesus. Show us that through this text, God. We pray it for your glory. We pray it for our good. We pray it so we could see you in all your beauty and your perfection. In your son's name we pray, amen. So I want want you to imagine something uh, with me. I want you to imagine a rich person coming to someone. And this rich person coming to someone and saying, I see that you have need. And I want to be kind to you. And I have the resources to do it. I have, a, I have a bank. I own a bank. I own a bank, and it's not full of other people's money. It's full of my money. And I see your need, and I'm going to give you the key to this bank to get in the front door, and I'm going to give you the combination to get into the vault where all the cash is. I see your need, I want you to take the key, I want you to take the combination, I'm gonna write it down right here for you because your memory's bad, here's the key, here's the combination, it's yours, I want you to go to that bank, I want you to help yourself. How silly would it be if that person gets that offer, gets that key, gets that combination, walks into that vault in that bank and walks out with two bucks? Wouldn't that be silly? Spiritual renewal is when we move from knowing about Jesus to experiencing him deeply. It's when the doctrines that we know in our minds, which we should know in our minds, begin to shape us and take root in our hearts. Week one of this series, we talked about spiritual renewal comes from a renewed vision of God's holiness, our sinfulness or unholiness, and that Jesus's grace stands in that divide. Week two, we talked about uh, renewal of joy in our life comes from understanding that we have God's approval through Jesus, so we don't need the approval of other people. And this week, we're going to talk about the renewal of our character, the renewal of our attitudes, the renewal of our actions, living different, becoming a renewed you through God's process of sanctification. Sanctification is this progressive process where God is shaping his people to become more like Jesus. Grow in godliness, grow in holiness, grow in grace. It's this continual slow process of growing spiritually because of the grace that has happened to us through Christ. And when it comes to this idea of progressive sanctification, growing in godliness, growing in Christ-likeness, growing in, in godly character, I'm afraid that we are a lot like the person who has access to the bank vault and walks out with two bucks. that God through Jesus has actually provided all that we need for life and for growing with him, godliness, growing in character like him. All of that's available to us. And yet we walk out with two bucks. See, in Jesus, we have not only grace for our sins, but God's power for our growth. The question is, will we seize it? and then be renewed. Become a new us, more like Jesus. Let's look at the text that we're going to be in that's going to touch on these concepts. So really a uh, rich and beautiful passage. It's 2 Peter 1, 3 through 9. So pull out your Bibles, turn them on, um, or just lift your head slightly and look above. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 9. Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends, is writing this, it's one of the uh, 12 apostles and one of the inner three. He writes this in this letter, 1-3, "'His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises.'" so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten he was cleansed from his former sins. You guys agree there's a lot there? There's a lot going on. This is a great passage to do a Bible study on. This is a hard passage to preach. There is so much here that is all good for us. But I want us to focus in on on this idea, this, this main thread that in Jesus, we have God's grace for our sins and also God's power for our growth. Peter is talking about growing in godliness godliness, godlikeness, growing to be like God. Not that we become divine, but that we embody his attributes and character. We grow more like Jesus, all that God wants us to be. Jesus as the not only substitute that saves all who trust in him, but the example set forward for how we are to be as humans. That's what Peter is laying forth in this. But notice the first thing and through the first four verses, Peter is going to teach us one thing, that spiritual growth is actually possible. Now, our experience kind of runs counter to this, right? Isn't changing hard? Changing is difficult. Any of, you, any, any of you tried to make yourself a morning person and just struggle through that? We were just like, man, I just set seven different alarms. And you can name your alarms, and if you have an iPhone, you probably can do this in Android, Tyler would know. Um, but if you can't, you can do it in the iPhone, so you remember that. <laughs> you name your alarms. Get up now. Okay, really? the next one is, okay, you really need to get up now? <laughs> next one, seriously, you're gonna be late for work, get up, right? I name my alarms, time with my savior, time with God. Okay, this is really time, like, I just try to, te- try to remind myself that I need to get up early. And it's hard, it's hard enough to make yourself a person who's not a morning person to a morning person. Change is difficult, right? And that's an external thing. What about when it comes to our character? When you recognize, I don't love other people the way I love myself. When you realize, the people that I love, I'm often most harmful to, and I don't even wanna do that. I need change inside of me, in my character. This is why growth in the Christian life, we often think and we feel is difficult. This is why the call to grow sometimes we can kind of turn our ears off to because we recognize this, I've tried and I haven't seen much progress. The Bible will talk about this growth in our character as, as fighting sin, uh, sin in, in, this, in this sense, that all that God does not desire and doesn't honor Him, all that runs contrary to what he desires and commands and wants for us. One of the things he calls us to do is to love him and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we all know that we fail at that. So it's clear as day by our experience that sin is real and we're implicated in it. And here's the thing, when you try to uh, work change in your life, it it feels a lot like whack-a-mole. You ever play whack-a-mole? Where you whack the mole in one spot, and just pops up in another. You gotta be quick to get it again. You ever feel like change in your character is like, wow, I made progress in patience. And now I just found out this about myself, that you feel like you're growing in one area only to be exposed in another. This is why change is hard. Growth and godliness is difficult. And this text is a lifeline meant to help us. See, there's some ways in which we have a very deficient understanding of the gospel, the good news of Jesus for our salvation to restore us to God, his life. He obeyed where we could not. His death, he suffered the penalty for sins that we ought to suffer. His resurrection, he rose victorious over the grave so that by faith in him, we are restored to God now and forever. We have a hole in our gospel because when we think gospel, we only think grace for our sins. When we think gospel, we often only think, well, a new status has been put upon me by grace. I'm forgiven of my sins. I'm declared righteous. But we dangerously overlook another component of our salvation. Yes, a new status. Yes, we're forgiven for our sins. Yes, we're declared righteous. Yes, we're adopted by Jesus. Yes, we're declared holy. But most of us put the brakes on there and never go to the next block, which is still on the gospel street. We don't realize that through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, seized by a person through faith, not only are we forgiven of our sins, but we have God's power to grow. That's what Peter is is teaching us here. Salvation means not only a new status, but a new us from the inside out. Look at verse 3. His divine power has granted to us a few things that pertain to life and godliness, No, all things. His divine power has granted to us everything pertains that's required for life. This is eternal life and godliness growing like God. Do you see what Peter is saying here? Peter is saying the moment that a person encounters Jesus, the moment that a person trusts in Jesus, their status before God is not only changed forever, but they now have access to that vault. They have everything that they need for eternal life and for growing to be like Jesus. They will never lack for anything under those two categories ever again. God has flexed his divine muscles to give us all that we need for eternal life and for living a God-honoring life in our attitudes, character, and actions. How do we get this power? Look at the text. We get this power through the knowledge of him who who called us. Look at verse 3, the back half of it. We get it through the knowledge of him who called us. Knowledge here is the idea of salvation, the idea of conversion, of, of seeing I am in need of mercy from God. I turn to Jesus as the only one who can provide it through his work alone. And when we encounter Jesus by trusting in him, we receive what? The very great and precious promises that God has been laying out for all of history. And these great promises of Scripture, there's many of them, but they say this, not only are we forgiven in status, but God will make us new in our nature. God will make you still you, but a new you through the grace of Jesus Christ. Through Jesus, God's divine power, His strength, His muscle, His power to save. The, the Psalms talks about it as His arm to save. It reaches out and gives us a divine nature, not that we are divine, but that the life of God comes into us. The power of God comes into us. It sounds a little new agey, right? You hear things today, if you just kind of survey uh, spiritual and religious advice, you might hear stuff like follow your bliss, follow the God that is in you. Seems very new agey for today. It would have been the same for, for at Peter's time. These would have been similar ideas that God is in you, and, but the difference that Peter is showing us that the life of God in us doesn't mean we just remain us or we do as we please, but that now we have a new nature where we follow God. In. And here's the connection that he makes if you, uh, if you look at the text. If you look at the text and see this, Notice how this culminates at the end of 4, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Last week, we talked about being Adam and this this allergic nature that we have towards God where we are sinful. Well, through Christ, through God's divine power, through the knowledge of Jesus, this all comes from knowing Jesus, we have been uh, freed from This sinful nature that we have that makes us allergic to God, that's no longer on the throne of our hearts. We have a new nature from God, which means new desires for God, which also includes a new power from God, which means we live a new way where we grow in God-likeness. We have all we need for life and godliness. Faith in Jesus means a new status, but a new nature as well. And it's easy for us to forget this. It's easy For us to take this for granted, it's easy for us to overlook this when all we seem to experience is struggle. But if we look at the story of the Bible, one of the most common refrains between God and his people is this Your hearts are far from me. Or the refrain, You're a stiff necked people. You kind of listen, but you're stubborn. And here's the promise. Here's one of the promises that Peter has in his mind as he's writing this. Listen to this from Ezekiel 26 or 36, 26. God says this to his people. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, his commands, his laws, and be careful to obey my rules. You are the promise he's talking about here? He's, he's laying out this, this sort of spiritual heart transplant that left to ourselves, our desires for God are numb, are dead, our heart, our ability to, our power to change ourselves, to grow in godliness. All of that is numb. It's dead. It's flatlined. But God says, I'm going to work a spiritual surgery on you. I'm going to do a spiritual heart transplant. I'm going to take this heart of stone. What's stone? Does stone respond to anything? Does stone pump blood? Does does stone get up and obey? Does does stone respond? No, stone is dead. Stone is numb. Stone is flatlined. God says, I'm going to take that. I'm going to pull that out of you, and I'm going to put in its place a heart of flesh that beats, that flows blood that leads you to your body to animate and to work and to respond to me, and you're going to have power to obey my statutes because I'm going to put my spirit within you. This is what Peter is referring to and talking about. If we were to go to Acts 2, we'd see that Peter was there when one of the fundamental moments when this happened on a big scale, but God is telling us he's going to touch our souls, impart a taste for the things of God and the power to live pleasing to Jesus in us, and it happens through the knowledge of him. Verse 3, first part, through the knowledge of Jesus, through seeing what He's done on the cross. See, through Jesus, we're liberated. We escape from this sinful nature, and through Jesus, we're empowered. We have divine power and a new nature. This means the life of God is in us by His Spirit. He dwells in us. And for this reason, we can't live with a defeated view of spiritual growth. See, if, you're, if your mindset towards your growth as a follower of Jesus is that, well, I know I'm forgiven of my sins, and maybe I'll become more like Christ-like one day, but for now, I'm just forgiven, and I'll just stay here, and I've tried, and I've, nothing has happened. I know what that feels like. I know what that feels like. Our experience may say that, but the truth of Scripture is louder and clearer. That God has given us grace for our sins and power to grow. Here's one old poet puts it like this. John Barridge, he puts it like this. He says, uh, run, John, and work the law commands, yet it gives me neither feet nor hands. What he's saying is, if you look at all of God's commands, they tell you to run, they tell you to work, they tell you to obey, but the commands in and of themselves don't give you the power to do that. Run, John, and work, the law commands, yet it gives me neither feet nor hands. But sweeter news the gospel brings, it bids me fly and lends me wings. You're saying, the gospel, the good news of Jesus brings us grace for our sins, but power to grow. This is why you look in the New Testament, you'll see through Christ we're a new creation talks about God's seed, a new heart by the Holy Spirit, regeneration being put in us. We are a new us, the moment we trust in Jesus, forgiven in a new us. But if this is the case, you're asking right now, I see it on your faces, this is what you're asking right now, if this is the case, this is true, Peter, this is true, God, why is spiritual transformation and growth in my life so hard? Why does it feel so non-existent? Why does it feel like I don't really reflect godliness and Christ-likeness much? It's because spiritual growth is possible through this divine power that saved us and gives us a new nature, but spiritual growth also takes a certain kind of effort. Look at verses 5 and 7. It takes a certain kind of effort. Now, we all know this if we've tried anything. You guys look like a group of triers. I think you've tried things in your life. You try certain things the wrong way, it's counterproductive. Would you agree? I remember coming back from a party, and we had had our car. This is, uh, I think, 18, 19. This was early in high school, or early in college. Um, And uh, the car was kind of in this ditch. And so we're just like, well, we'll just step on the gas. Get it out. More power, more movement. And so we're just like, "Mm -hmm." and, you know, just pretty counterproductive. Tire spans sinking deeper, didn't work. Wrong type of effort that ended up being counterproductive. And part of the reason I think we can struggle to grow even though we have all that we need for life and godliness is because we have the wrong type of effort. Look at what Peter says in verse 5. Look at the connection, look at the logic, look at the anchoring of what he's now going to command and call us to do. For this very reason. Well what reason, Peter? The reason of three through, three through four. God's divine power has saved us, given us a new status and a new nature, through grace in the knowledge of Jesus. For that very reason, make every effort to grow. Do you see what's happening here? You'll see this throughout the Bible, that when God is calling you to do something, he's always gonna anchor it in grace that he's giving you. Notice what he's saying in three through four. He's saying, Jesus has made you new by grace. You didn't have to work for this. You didn't do it. Everything you need for life and godliness is given to you. You have access to that vault. It's all yours. Come and take it. Come and live it out. It's who you are now through Christ. And because of who you are, now live like this. Do you see that? He doesn't say... Live like this, and then I'm going to give you power. Live like this, and then I'm going to give you status. You're forgiven. You're my child. No, he says, you are this because of Jesus. Now live that out. He, he roots the imperative command in an indicative truth. He roots the command in a truth, and he says, go do this. And so if you're going to grow spiritually, your effort has to be anchored in grace. Any other type of effort will not do. It won't last. It won't produce much. Spiritual growth takes grace-anchored effort. This is why we experience the whack-a-mole. We might get a new habit for a bit, but the same issue or a different one related pops up in a different part of our lives if we're not making the right type of effort because change really happens from the inside out, which which is why it has to be anchored to grace. Here's what Peter is telling us in verses 5 through 7. He's saying this, sweat at your sanctification because God has made you a new creation. Not grow enough and then I'll love you. He's saying sweat at your sanctification because God has made you a new creation. Look at what he says, make every effort. Man, you know this, you know who this verse is written for? People like me who love to make one effort or some efforts or two efforts. My wife will get on me sometimes. I'll be like, "I'll clean the kitchen." She's like, "You left one pan." I'm like, "Well, I" Did 12. This one, this one, I'll get this one later. I just did like 12 of them. She's like, no, just why don't you just do it? You're all ready. I'm like, ah, yeah. I'm so excited to get to the next thing. This verse is for me. This verse, I'm, I'm going to guess if you're honest, this verse is probably for you. Make every effort. Every effort, that means every opportunity you have to walk in Jesus-likeness, do it. Make every effort. Why? Because you're anchored in grace. God is calling all of us to engage in serious, exciting, grace-anchored effort to grow in godliness. Why? Because he's broken the chains that make us captive to our sinful nature. He's saying, you've got divine power. You've got a new nature. Make every effort. This is like that first illustration that we opened with. He's saying, go into the vault, grab all the money. It's yours. Don't just walk out with $2. Take the whole thing. Everything you need for life and godliness comes to us through Christ. So the question for us from this is then, do you sweat at your sanctification? Do you make every effort to grow in Christ-likeness? Do you sweat at your sanctification? Do you work at it? Do you sweat at your sanctification because God has made you a new creation? Can you say, I work hard to grow like Jesus, to be like Jesus, to reflect Jesus, to obey Jesus, even when it hurts, even when it's unpopular. I work hard at that. I sweat at it. Not because I'm trying to earn anything or prove myself to anyone, but because God has given me his grace. He's made me new and I love him. Are you making not just effort, but every effort to grow in Christ? With this, I want you to think about this question, because this text should encourage and inspire us and should counteract some of the ways that we think about growing as Christians. So um, Carol, Carol Dweck, she teaches at Stanford. She's written a bunch about this idea of a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. And I'm going to make it very simple um, and, and rudimentary for our purposes. But she basically talks about people have these two mindsets, a growth one or a fixed one. A fixed one means that every talent that you have is just innate. So if you're good at painting, you're good at painting. If you're not, you know, sorry, just not possible. You can't really get better. A growth mindset is this mindset that people have when they say, I'm not good at painting, but if you work at something, you can do it. So I'm going to put the hours in. And for a while, they're going to look like my child drew them. But you know what? One day, I'm going to get better. So growth mindset versus fixed mindset. What's your mindset towards growing to be like Jesus out of the grace he's given you? Have you been beaten down so much in an area of your life where you feel like growth in this area, is just not possible for me? What's your mindset when it comes to growth out of grace to be like Jesus? I, I think there's three categories. There's the defeatist view, which says, I'm forgiven, but I'm a struggler, and there's, I, just, I just don't know. I don't know if I'm really going to make pro- progress. I just feel defeated. There's the, the, the escapist mindset that basically says this, I, I know I'm forgiven, I just don't really think much about growing in my, in my Christ-like character. I just, it's just not on my mind much. And then there's what we all are trying to strive for, which is in this text, there's empowered. I have a new creation by grace, and so I want to sweat and work at my sanctification. I want to sweat at it. And notice where this all starts. What does it start with? Supplement your what? Your faith. This all starts with faith. This is where it all starts in in verse 3. We get the divine nature. We're made new through the knowledge of Him, through the knowledge of Jesus. And so the thing that converted us, the thing that saves us, is the thing that helps us grow. It's through faith. It starts with faith and it's anchored in constantly trusting Jesus. And then every effort is connected to Him. So if you want something practical from this, because I'm not going to do much practical because I don't think the text does here, but I think the one practical thing is every effort that you make to grow needs to be anchored to Jesus. You must say things like this. When you are in the middle of temptation or you're saying, oh, I want to love this person, I should, this is what Christ is calling me to, but I don't because they're this and they're annoying, right? When you're in those moments where those things are flashing through your head, most of life isn't like that, it's quick. But when you're in those moments, you have to do things like this. God, I'm doing this because you've saved me by your grace, you've empowered me by your spirit, I can do this. Because you're in me, you're with me. You have to connect every effort to Jesus if you want to grow because that's where the power is. It's in him, in you, by faith. So what you need is you need people around you to help anchor you in Jesus. Because every effort here is Jesus anchored. This is why you need to be in a gospel community if you want to see this happen. People who are going to point you to Jesus, remind you of Jesus, help you grow with Jesus. And this list of godliness, Christ likeness, it's not so much a, uh, a grab bag, but it's all things that are anchored to one another. Faith in Jesus the anchor. It's everything else that, that flows out. It almost helps to think of it like this. I'm going to quote a, a commentator here. Uh, he, he puts it like this. He says, uh, describes the virtues in this way. As you've obtained faith in Christ, stand in it. Stand in it. This language of add to it makes it feel like you're going shopping. Well, I'm going to add a couple of this to my cart. Mm the fat-free or the not fat free. Oh God, this, right? That's not what Peter's talking about here. All of these things are being anchored on top of one another. They're overlapping. They, they intersect. So as you've obtained faith in Christ, stand in it. Now apply yourself diligently to advance in virtue. That's moral excellence. That's a, that's a junk drawer term. And as you stand in virtue, don't be satisfied, but press on to increase in the knowledge of God's will. Does that come from? It comes from the Scriptures. It comes from the Bible. As you stand in that, do not be satisfied, but be diligent to enlarge your capacities of self-control and the mastery of your passions. We all have passions that flare up and wreak havoc in our lives. Enlarge capacities for self-control. As you stand in that, don't be satisfied, but cultivate every form of patience. And in that, let devoutness and piety and sweet love to God flourish. And in that, Kindle or strive to kindle your affection for other believers. as brotherly affection. And in and through that, grow in love to all people. So in other words, advance, keep on, press on, advance, work, sweat, don't give up, don't be satisfied, look to grow in all of these things, not to earn anything because you're anchored in God's grace that is not only giving you a new status, but giving you a new nature. I mean, we talk about wanting to be gospel people. This is a te- this is Gospel people. This text and the source is faith in Jesus, not self effort. So if you ever find yourself not really caring to grow in Christ likeness, you got to go back, not to a thing on this list, but you got to go back to the source, supplement your faith. You got to go back to Jesus. You got to sit and reflect on Him. You got to open up the Bible and get some time with Him. That's where the desire to grow comes, but also the desire to grow comes from this too. Godliness is a good thing. Godliness is a really good thing. I want you to imagine, we're gonna do some imagining. This is the second imagine thing. I want you to imagine this. Imagine yourself 10 times more patient than you are right now. Some of you are like, I can't imagine that. It's an alternate reality. It's the matrix, right? Imagine yourself 10 times more patient Imagine yourself 10 times more self-controlled. Imagine yourself with 10 times the depth and intimacy of faith with Jesus Christ. What type of person would you be like? You would be a massive light in this world. Bringing God's goodness, beauty, and truth everywhere you went. In even stronger ways than you you maybe do now. Godliness is desirable. Godliness is what we need. Godliness is actually what the world needs. People loving God, loving Jesus because of his grace, and living like him. I want you to think about how godliness is actually good for the world. Think of these things. Racism, divorce, poverty, abuse, anger, broken relationships, loneliness. All of these problems can be drilled down to one internal essence, That's lacking. Godliness. Ungodliness is living far from and out of step with who God is and what He's designed us to be and to live and to to mirror. And godliness is knowing God and living like Him. And that's where restored relationships come from. That's what God in His power is extending to us. Think about how godliness is good for you. Look at uh, at verse 8. Look at what Peter's gonna say. He's gonna say, that if you're not growing, if you're growing in these things, it, they will keep you from being unfruitful and ineffective in the knowledge of Jesus. And so he, he's saying is, if we were to flip this, he's saying if you're not growing in Christ's likeness, y- your faith is all talk, no walk. Which is why if we were to go to verse 10, he's going to say, make sure your calling and election is is sure. He's saying, if you're growing in godliness, it's a way to to validate that your faith in Jesus is is true. It's showing that it's fruitful, that you you truly know him. If you flip this around, you can be encouraged by the fact that if you see little steps in growth in likeness, they should encourage you because they show you, I'm growing in my knowledge of Jesus. I'm growing in my experience of his grace. I'm growing in the reality that he lives in me and he empowers me to be different You see stuff in your life where you're like, man, if this was left to me, I would have punched this person. Or if this was left to me, I would have swore at them. If this was left to me, I would have lashed out. If this was left to me, I would have never been able to say, "Will you forgive me. You grow in godliness. You grow in the experience and knowledge of Christ in you. And godliness is good for the people in your life that don't know Jesus yet. This is why Jesus says things like this in Matthew 5. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Godliness puts Jesus on display in your life. It's an external display of Jesus in your life from the internal reality of the fact that he's made me new by his grace. Listen, a person who's growing in their sanctification, who's sweating at it, who's, who's making steps in godliness, they're a, both a diamond and a magnet. If you're growing in Christ because you've been made a new creation through the gospel, you are both a diamond and a magnet. You're a diamond because you sparkle the beauty of Jesus' grace. You're a magnet because you are drawing people to the Savior because of your attractiveness and your character. It's the type of thing where people are like, man, you're like this, why? What is it? Well, it's not me, it's Jesus in me. Jesus changed me. Listen, some days I'm like this. I used to always be like this. But Jesus is changing me by his grace. Let me tell you about him. Become a diamond and a magnet. Through the gospel that gives us a new status and a new nature. Now, I want to encourage you because you might be sitting in this spot right now just thinking, this all sounds great. I have been trying. You don't understand how I've been trying and failing and trying and failing. I want to encourage you with with, with what Peter's laying out. This is all tethered to the gospel. It's all tethered to the truth that in Christ we are saved. Our sins are covered. Our sins are atoned for. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you're hearing this, you're saying, I've tried in my sanctification. I lose all the time. Jesus knows that. He's paid for your sins. The verdict is brought in. You're loved and forgiven. See, this this is God calling us to effort in an arena where we can't lose. He's saying, work at this because you're going to win. Work at this because the score is already brought in, the verdict's already here. Work at this. So if, you're, if you just feel beat down when you think about growing, remember the gospel. And, and if you're on the flip side where you're like, ah oh, man, there's this thing I don't want to give up, just understand this. Sin always over-promises and under-delivers. It's going to promise you more than it can give you. God in calling us to Christ's likeness is not calling us to lose joy, lose fun, but it's calling us into the joy that's in him. I want you to see eight and nine for this. These verses carry an encouragement and a warning. Spiritual growth moves you forward in the knowledge of God and to make no grace-anchored effort means you're gonna float, you're stagnant, you're indifferent, you're drifting, you're like the person who looks in the mirror, doesn't even know what they're like. You've almost forgotten, you, not almost, you've forgotten who Jesus is. If you're not growing, if you have faith in him and you're not growing, you're not desiring these things, you've almost forgotten who your Savior is. It means the key to all of this is Jesus, faith in him. Because it's, his div- it's through God's divine power that we've been made new through Christ. So I want you to, want you to think about these things. We're going to close right here. Back to that bank vault. Do you see all that God has granted you. Verse three. This is a verse to memorize. This almost sounds too good to be true. It's granted us all things pertaining, needed, required for, necessary for, life and godliness. All of it comes through the knowledge of Christ. All of it comes through Him, seeing Him, trusting Him, knowing Him. In Christ, you have not just a Savior from your sin. Get the full gospel. You have a Savior from your sin, and you have His new nature in you, which means power to change and grow. You have a healer from the sins you've committed, but you have God in you by His Spirit giving you a new heart. You have power to grow. This You have access to the promises of God that are fulfilled in Jesus. They're yours. You share in the divine nature, which means God is actually making you more and more like Him through Christ. You can change. You can grow. You can press on on in godliness because the world needs it you need it and through christ by faith you can be made new and renewed and you have all that you need you understand how beautiful the gospel is that god has given us a covering for when we fail forgiveness and empowering to grow we can't lose you literally cannot lose the only way you lose is if you forget this The only way you lose is if you grab that grace and then you make no effort in the gym of sanctification to sweat it out because you're a new creation. But if you understand this, you embrace the gospel by faith, you cannot lose. You will grow and you will become more like Jesus. So what needs to change? Is it tethering your effort to grace? Or is it a whole new mindset around what it means but the gospel has come upon you and to respond in action. You have all things pertaining to life and godliness in Jesus.